We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into your Saturday edition of the podcast. You know that it's me and it's Andrew Spade. We are going to do our one Big Browns thought. You know what that means. We're looking around. What's the big picture look like? What are the big decisions these guys have and potential big ramifications of a Sunday win or loss? We have all of that for you, plus your usual slate of college football banter and a really fun college football slate this weekend. And then Andrew and I close uh, the show out with looking at the NFL slate this weekend with games that we think either have massive ramifications or are just plain fun to watch. I think it's a great show. Hopefully you enjoy it on this fine Saturday. All that and more on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Saturday show. I'm here with Andrew Spade. It's our usual. I think this is the fourth episode now of our Big Browns Thought slash college football look ahead slash NFL look ahead. This is a fun episode because it's a little off the beaten path. We get to talk about some things we normally don't get to talk about. So, Andrew, first of all, man, what's up? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to be with you, Jake. Um, it is a, uh, you know, we we, we kind of have been charting this as the weeks go by. It's another beautiful football Friday and uh, definitely feels it's the feeling is in the air again. So, you know, my my hope for the weekend is is just that the the Browns kind of get things back on track on Sunday, because, um, I, I, you know, I, I think we're going to we're going to get into this a little bit more. But it it's just it's it's September, you know, like it is still the exciting part of the year when, mm-hmm. you know, everything feels possible and you know like there's just wall-to-wall football and nobody's nobody's out you know everybody's still competitive everybody's still in it and so you know you want to see that bounce back because you don't want to yet be in the I was talking to a friend the other day and and just talking about how that feeling of you know when you get to December and and you don't even want to turn the game on I I don't want to be there yet you know I, I want to still be excited for Sundays it's a bit jarring how far we've come in a week. That's the the biggest thing. The prevailing thought for me is how the NFL really does swing your your thought process week to week. I mean, I know that the, the thing we were talking about last week at this time is how confident is too confident, right? And and while the defense has kind of backed up what we were talking about there a little bit, the the jarring not to use the word twice here, but the jarring nature of the way the offense has struggled and where they currently are going is something that is. Uh, I, I don't think we anticipated getting here so quick. I mean, it would it would kind of have to be quick, but um, nonetheless, we're here with the offense. And, and kind of something I want to put out into the world for those of you who are maybe loyal listeners to just this show and you don't broaden your horizons is that uh, it's not just us with some of the sentiments around the offense. Like Andrew and I have this very calculated take on where the offense needs to go, and I think we've been hammering that home. Um, I think – you know, so for a while, really, since the end of last year, I've been trying to harp on where I think this entire operation should be moving. And there's two things that we didn't think were going to happen in the nature in which they've happened. The first is that the offense has not really evolved that much. It's been not I can't say it's a copy paste, Andrew. They have done some wrinkles, but there are a lot of elements that have just stayed the same from last year and carried over from the Watson six to this year. And that's unacceptable in my opinion. And then the second thing is that Deshaun Watson has not looked like an average quarterback, which is sort of the baseline of what we expected. Yeah. He has looked well below average to the point of bad. And mm-hmm. it's not just like, we're saying this, 
This is national smart minds, people we respect. Greg Cosell has been doing a film breakdown for longer than I've even thought about football. He's probably forgotten more than I will know is mentioning this stuff about Watson. Uh, you know that Andrew and I have referenced this many times. Nate Tice and Robert Mays, who do a great job on the athletic football show, spent about five to ten minutes on the Browns offense and where the hell it's heading and what's going on. And they echoed a lot of the sentiments that we have, Andrew, which are built around the idea of they did these things for Nick Chubb, um, largely because Nick is so special. And you can see why they would want to go about it that way. And Deshaun has had some success off of under center play action. But the problem is you lose Nick. You have Deshaun, who's clearly rusty. They're kind of saying there's this path that they should go to, which is the path you and I have talked about. But it's hard to do that path when the quarterback can't handle the peripherals of what it will you know, necessarily take to get that operation done. Right. That is extremely concerning. And again, it echoes what we have said. So it's not like you listen to Jake and Andrew and you're like, those guys are very doom and gloom. We are trying to speak the truth about where they are. There's nothing we love more than coming on the show and talking about exceptional play from the quarterback and the coach. You know, that those are huge aspects of what make this content fun and what you guys like to arrive and listen to. But when it's not, when it's the contrary, we will always be ones to give you the honest answer about that. And I don't think you can get that from many of the podcasts in the Browns realm. So the thing, Andrew, that sticks out to me is there again, um, you know, Nick's situation, we've talked about it all week, has pushed us in the direction that it's obvious that they should do the thing that I think they needed to do anyway to justify the type of money that they have spent on this quarterback, which is put the keys in his hand and say, drive this thing, take it where it needs to go. But what what, what Tice and what Mays are saying is that they don't think he can do that. When you lose what the echoing sentiment is, is when you lose that ability to be a creator. And I'm not totally convinced that Deshaun is just done being a creator, but when you lose the ability to be a creator at the level at which he was, the ease at which that arrived for him during his Houston days, you start to see a retreat into you need to do the little things right. You need to be able to process uh, what a pre-snap look is to a post-snap decision from the defense to throw the right ball, right? You need to be able to play with some anticipation, not be a see-it-open guy, which this is a huge sentiment that they had, which I also believe that he's just a beater too late on everything he's doing, which comes from exposure, playing, doing the things you need to do repetitively, but the Browns are now not in a position to just say, hey, we'll we'll hold the rusty quarterback's hands and get him to where he needs to go. Like He's their best offensive player in theory now, and he has to drive the bus. The thing is, Andrew, that is so concerning is uh, there's a world in which they still won't do that. And I right. think that's going to lead to some very frustrating Sunday offenses, man. Really frustrating to watch that are maybe not four turnovers, but a lot of punting and a lot of third downs in the field feeling very compressed. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are all great points, Jake. I think it is... The, 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 yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's what I, what I said a minute ago. And I think it's the, the, the beauty of the point that you're making is that it's so early to be having these conversations, but the, the combination, it's not just, you know, pe- people try and do this thing. I've seen this rhetorically this week from a lot of people in Brown's Twitter, which is like, if you take the Nick Chubb injury out of it, then, you know, it's just another road loss to Pittsburgh. And it's like, we're one and one and we're looking to bounce back against Tennessee, but like, can't <laughs> that right that's the whole thing is it's it's the the whole point here is that their easy button on offense their main way of of getting easy yards on offense is is out for the year and so now it has to be the hard way and it's there's two different hard paths to go down here right one is is the hard path where the the head coach keeps his thumb on everything and runs a very conservative offense of play action bootlegs where they're still running the ball and it, they're getting less success running the ball because none, none of the running backs that they have are, are Nick Chubb, no matter how rejuvenated Kareem Hunt might be, which is, you know, something else that we can touch on. I mean, it, it it's n- none of those guys are going to touch what Nick Chubb can do. And so that there's that option where, like you said, the field is compressed there's no verticality of the offense other than shot plays. There's no, you know, on running downs, there's seven, eight guys in the box every time, and they're just trying to make the math work by running three tight ends every time. Or you hand the keys to Watson, you spread it out, you live in empty, you live with a bunch of five or six man protections, and you trust the quarterback who hasn't shown any of what he would you would need to see to trust him. 
you you trust him to make it work, right? And and so both of those uh, options are unappealing, and that's the that's what has precipitated in some corners of of the Browns media the like the it's not an overreaction, but the strength of the reaction to what happened Monday because the it clarified the stakes. If Chubb is healthy, then the Browns muddle through this offensive stretch with some wins just because Nick Chubb's on the field. They probably win Monday night if Nick Chubb plays that entire game. I mean, despite the fact that Jerome Ford had that big run, there were other runs that were a lot of large yards were left on the field just because Ford wasn't ready for a full complement. So now, instead of having that ability to muddle through, they they face a kind of a, 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 you know, I I think people are going to probably feel like we're making too much out of this, but I really think it's a fork in the road moment for this team. And not just for this season, but for the the Kevin Stefanski Deshaun Watson partnership, and I really think there are two two pretty clear options, and and part of what intensifies this is that the the Tennessee Titans definitely lend themselves to being attacked one way. You know, you are not going to get free yards on the ground against the Tennessee front. They are going to beat the hell out of the Browns' offensive line, probably more so considering the Steelers didn't have Hayward probably more so than the Steelers did. So you have to find answers through the air against Tennessee. And, you know, the weather seems to be fine for Sunday. I mean, knock on wood, right? So Mm -hmm. it feels like the perfect opportunity to really just say, we go as Watson goes. And I, I continue to wonder whether or not Stefanski has the ability to, to trust his quarterback that much, especially without having seen it first. Don't you kind of think, though, that he just has to like, I mean, for the sake of let's put it this way. I'm not doing the conspiracy theory stuff here, Andrew, but for like the sake of his job, doesn't it make sense that he just gives him the shotgun keys and says, like, this is this is your offense. We're going to fit it to exactly what you're accustomed to having success with. And then if it comes down to it and Watson is the one not playing well, it can't be some excuse from Watson's camp where it says he's not being put in the position to do the things he's most comfortable with. If you like keep up the status quo and continue to put him under center and continue to lean into the run game and some of those elements, although maybe they do ultimately because Watson's so rusty and you, you watched it every day at practice and understand it. It, it does give you a um, on paper in theory, better chance to win. Uh, To me, it's like, uh, I mean, you're, you're saying, I know this, maybe the people behind closed doors as a coaching staff know this, but that's not going to win the media over, right? While if you put him in the position to do the Houston things, you can say, well, I tried to do everything I could to make this work for him the way he's been most comfortable. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not saying we're there, man. We're two weeks into the season, but I am saying that, I mean, the, the line is clearly going to be if the failure happens and the offense is the driving failure motivator here that somebody's going to have to pay (laughs) like someone's going to have to pay and it's likely not to be the quarterback because he's under contract for gigantic sums of money and it's like what if kevin can say all right well i you know i was doing this for you going to bring somebody in to run this offense for him different than i did how are you going to do that how does that make sense you know what i mean so i just think that there's um some stuff here that is going to if this is a rough game, if this one's rough, if the if the Ravens one is rough on top of that all before the bye, there's just a chance for some, you know, I mean, like I said, think about how quickly opinions change, how how grumpy people become and how quickly they become grumpy. I, I don't think it's hard to see a world in which this could get a little gnarly, uh, a for little sure. quick. And yeah. I just think from Kevin's perspective, hey, I'm fitting the offense to what you like to do, man. Let's do it. Right. Let's let's do it. It's on you. This is what you like. We're going to call it. You make the decisions. You can audible. And from there, it's like, well, when you have to have a conversation with Jimmy Haslam, well, look what I did for him. Right. I'm just and I still think that that can be the possibility that that can be the best thing to do, because that's what the personnel tells us now. You're not ignoring Nick. Right. Right. So that's the thing. Right. I don't I mean, go ahead. I agree with you. And I think. My personal opinion is Watson has to get reps making the decisions, doing the things that he did 
that made him successful in the NFL. And he has to yeah. succeed doing that. So he has to be able to properly diagnose on a read option and rip the ball, you know, to the open receiver or keep it right. Or, uh, you know, he has to be able to be an empty and get the ball out against pressure when he knows, you know, that Dewan Jones or Jed Wills has a one-on-one, they're probably going to lose. Right. And so he's, he knows the ball's got to be out now, now, because he's got two, two seconds and that's it. Uh, I, that's where I tend to land is that the, the problem for Watson is that he hasn't had success doing the things that he had success doing previously. And yeah. that's eating away at his confidence. That's my armchair diagnosis. But I think to your point about what Stefanski wants to do, if, if I'm Kevin Stefanski and my job is on the line, which it undoubtedly is over the course of the season, not talking about this week, but over the course of the season, I want to go down swinging with what I think works. And I yeah. think he's been pretty clear that what he thinks works is marrying the pass in the run game and limiting risk with the quarterback. So it, I, I think that's why this is such an interesting thing, because I think his instinct what has gotten him to the point of being successful in the NFL is having a very tight rein over what the quarterback does and holding back the quarterback from making the mistakes that we saw Watson make even, you know, in the first two weeks of the season. So that's where I think his instinct takes him, but what the quarterback needs might be something else. And so in, in a way, if you want to take the most negative viewpoint here, Jake, the most negative viewpoint here is that it's doomed to failure because Stefanski can't his instinct won't let him put Watson in a, in a position to be successful and Watson is never going to regain his confidence if all he ever gets to do is hit you know five yard uh rollout completions to the tight end that's what makes the entire thing really tricky to me if I were making the decision I would say here's what happened in Pittsburgh a uh, uh, um a gathering of events that were very unique that led to a singular four point loss can we go through half the season with the defense carrying us and the offense working with Deshaun to get on track? And what I mean with that is actually getting reps doing the things that will make the offense for Deshaun. Shotgun heavy RPOs and empty looks and, and some of the inside zones with you know paired with a read and power read and different things. You know, I have a theory on this offense and what I think is working right now, Andrew, across the NFL. We haven't really delved into that, but maybe we will after this weekend. But I think I would rather, this is again, just me, put Deshaun in things he was comfortable with in Houston and things that I think the NFL is using in a more successful way anyway right now than keep doing what he has been doing. Because even if the offense is rough, getting him exposed to those types of settings and those types of decisions and getting him uh, almost, I don't know if it's fast tracking, but just put, if you think this is who he's going to be when he's at his best, then try to get him those moments to do it again, right? To do those things. And I think that, like I said, can the defense carry you to four and four or whatever, and then maybe Deshaun hits his stride, something clicks midseason, and then it takes off, and you close strong, and you make the play. That's that's the best-case scenario to me, Andrew, but to your point, there's a bunch of stubbornness that could be there that is is looming because I thought the offense would change coming into the season, and it really didn't to the, to the degree at which I thought there are elements of this stuff. Like, they ran a couple – RPO bubbles and I liked it and it was some cheap yards and they've done some some of these things but they're definitely not two feet in to that pool so we've gone through this this week about why they might feel the need to have sat in both different spots at one time but there is no reason to continue doing that and if they do it this Sunday and next Sunday that tells us everything we need to know Andrew about where the quarterback and head coach relationship is and how much the head coach believes in that quarterback to be able to do that stuff because the stuff that Deshaun has been good at is challenging quarterback stuff right it is putting the offense through him and right now that has not been the consistent way in which that has gone they're trying to create things help him do different things um uh, through other phases of the game that help him right not him helping himself giving him outlet answers and things like that him finding those answers it has not necessarily been that so 
uh, that's where I would go with it, man. That's kind of my big Browns thought. I don't know if you want to close on anything around that, but I, I just, it's the only way Stefanski can survive it. And, and only way that we could find Deshaun back to who he was. I don't think Deshaun is now, he, he's, he could be Andrew, but I don't think he's some middle tier, yeah. um, you know, play action, fake dependent quarterback in terms of under center boot, like Derek Carr type, yeah. type of well, guy. That's, like yeah, that's, if he's either, he's either way worse right. because he's just lost it, lost it, right. or he's back to who he used to be. I just don't think right. that this is a, a, even doing this to get by, like, I don't think that that's long-term any good. And and like you, I think you even said this a few days ago and you said it well, why did you trade for him? Exactly. Like, why exactly. did you trade for him? You, right. you, you know, you right. got to try it. You got to rip the bandaid off at some point. Right. Well, and, and this, again, like I know I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but I, I think this is where I, you know, I don't think that Kevin Stefanski is wrong to want to see it first, but I do think it sometimes hampers his ability to trust his players. If he can't see that, you know, see, see the vision first, you know, he, he wants to see it working the way that he puts it out there and then kind of loosen things up a little bit. And the only time where I can think of the opposite is that week 17 game against the Steelers in 2021 when they went to Pittsburgh. Mayfield, you know, Stefanski hates Mayfield at this point. Mayfield hates Stefanski. And Stefanski gives Baker all the stuff that he wanted all year, puts him in a bunch of empty with, you know, five man protections. and. Baker Mayfield, you know, doesn't make it off the field that night. Like, yeah, but that was, that was Stefanski proving a point saying, yeah. you think you're ready for this. You're not, here's how this would go. And it's, it's almost the exact opposite of trying to ease a quarterback into it. It was, it was kind of proving a point. And so, you know, I, I would just say, yeah, I think, I think it, it, there are questions about the trade because I think we, and we talked about this during the off season. We thought with the benefit of a full off season with the quarterback, no suspensions or anything looming that, you know, they'd bring in a voice that could kind of be, you know, either somebody that was with Deshaun in Houston or somebody that was, you know, with him in Clemson, somebody that had experience for what works for him, that could be that voice in the room with Kevin when Deshaun's not there, right. That can kind of be with him on a Tuesday night and be like, you know, maybe, maybe, suggest this, maybe run a little bit of this, maybe, you know, try and that compromising voice, right? The, the, the conduit between the two people. And that didn't happen. It was just Bill Musgrave. And I don't think, you know, he is really going to be that kind of, that sort of conduit. So I think, you know, this is a question that, that we were asking during the off season with where these hires were. I think this is where it shows up, right? Because you're trying to navigate some, I mean, in reality, Jake, probably what they'll choose is some ver some compromised version of of the two things we're talking about. If I had to predict right now what Sunday looks like, it's some hybrid amalgam of the of the two systems. It's kind of choosing both, in an, or in other words, not choosing either, right? And so they run a little bit of the Stefanski offense. They give Watson some looks in an empty situation in a, in more shotgun maybe drive by drive or, you know, situation by situation. And I just think if there was a strong voice in the room that could advocate for what Deshaun wants, but speak in the terms that Kevin understands, this conversation might be going differently. But I think right now what you have is two poles, right? You have the head coach who's been the head coach for four years and you have the quarterback who has a $230 million guaranteed contract. And I, I, as I said before, I think the coach, if he's going to get, fired if he's going to fail he's going to fail doing i think what he trusts and the quarterback isn't going to compromise because he's got the the paycheck so to me it feels a little bit intractable and again i'm not trying to overreact because maybe we come out on sunday and and see a very clear direction that they both agree on but it feels to me like if i had to predict where this goes i think they try and stay with one foot in each camp Neither side is happy. Neither side gets what they want. And we don't see them commit to a philosophy and it holds the entire offense back. That's what this feels like to me. And I think it's going to end, you know, it's going to devolve as the season goes on. That's kind of, and I, and I, I think it goes back 
again, I am I I now I will say I am ahead of myself, but I think it goes back to the decision they made in the off season not to bring in a sort of third party that spoke both languages and could get these guys on the same page. Yeah, I think if you're putting gambling odds out there, right, and, and the odds are one of them is they unify, they come together, they put together a system for Deshaun, and it goes swimmingly. Um, or the other is um, they they never really quite see the same you know system as or structure as working. They don't see eye to eye, and um, it ultimately fails. I don't really see the evidence for the first one, <laughs> so right. I think the betting odds would be the second one until proven otherwise, which we yeah. all want to be proven otherwise. There's no doubt so about badly. that. Yeah, and 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 like this is not us being negative for the sake of being negative, but this is no, us. This is us two saying. Roads diverging right and, and 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 if they were going to if they were going to choose the road where they give watson the keys they would have done it preseason i couldn't agree more it would have looked different i thought based on some things i saw early in the preseason we were going to get some of that stuff but we I talked was, about it we talked I about it a month wrong. ago we, we were know, we were almost confident what's funny is that you're talking about a voice that would have unified et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the uh, titans offensive coordinator tim kelly exactly um, exactly. He was the Texans offensive coordinator in 2019. He was yep. there in 17 and 18 as a tight ends coach. He was the coordinator again in 2020 yep. and quarterbacks coach during Watson's best season. That's right. That's the and name. then the offensive coordinator in 21 in Houston. That's the name. And then Titans again. And uh, it was he moves to the Titans as the pass game coordinator. So you could have had him is the point. I mean, I think yep. there's a realm in which, hey, Alex, man, like like you respect you. Maybe just coach quarterbacks. We're going to bring this guy in as OC and. Um, you know, work off of his success with Deshaun and pair him back with a guy he found a lot of good stuff with. But they didn't, and here we are. And it's just ironic that they're they were in the crux of this situation and they're playing the guy, right, who uh who was a big part of big part of the architect for some of the best stuff we've seen from Deshaun. All right, we're gonna take a break, come back. We have all the fun banter now talking about college football, and then Andrew and I will pick our few games that we're looking most forward to this weekend on the NFL slate too. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. Listen, the Browns have the Titans coming in in Week 3. There's a chance these guys could be 2-0 and coming back to Cleveland for a home game. You should be looking ahead at buying those tickets, and Game Time is the right place to do it. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. 
All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What a weekend of college football, man. We have some really big games um, this week, and I'm pretty pumped about it, and I think we should just talk about which ones we're looking the most forward to. So I'll, I'll let you hit lead off on this and tell us uh, where your eyes will be on Saturday because it's all day. Some good stuff. It feels like the real kickoff of college football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Th- this is the college football that you actually look forward to. This isn't the early season stuff where you're like, well, I guess I'll watch Ohio State put 40 on Youngstown State or whatever. This is yeah. the real deal. Uh, I, t- I, t- I told you before the show started that I uh, made plans this Saturday. So. Uh, from like mid afternoon or mid evening on, I'm, I'm going to be obligated elsewhere, which is always, you know, like you got to live your life. You can't just live according to the football schedule all fall, but at the same time, uh, disappointed, I won't be able to see any of the nighttime action. Uh, I'll catch up on things probably a little later, but, um, I, I would say just in terms of where my eyes go, there's, there's, there's two games. It's the, it's Florida state Clemson, just because I think Florida state has a chance to be you know, like a true playoff team this year. And this is one of the biggest obstacles to them being one of those 11 and one or 12 and O teams. Um, and I, you know, it's always, I mean, Clemson's environment is incredible and, uh, you know, Florida state going into that environment is, is going to be tough for them. And then obviously it's, it's the uh, Colorado going to Oregon just because, you know, we were skeptical going all the way back to the, you know, the opener where they went to TCU and won. Uh, I think we're still skeptical. Can they actually go do it? Or at least I'll speak for myself. I'm still skeptical that they can go on the road and beat a really good Oregon team. Uh, but if they can, pretty soon you stop. The doubters all really will, you know, stop. And I, I think, I guess I'm a little surprised, even though I am still a little skeptical that they can do it against a top 10 opponent. I, I am surprised that it's a three touchdown line that that Oregon is favored by 21 at home against uh, the Buffaloes. Feel, it feels like their first real, yeah. real game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that TCU had been in the national championship last year, but I think we can, we can all agree that that TCU team was not quite as good as advertised. Had some parts of it, obviously, that went to the NFL that mattered, but um, you know, they caught them off guard. Maybe I don't know. I haven't paid much attention to TCU since, but this one just feels different, right? And you're on the road, like you said, and it's a real, um, you know, national contender type of game. So, I, yeah, 21 seems quite chunky. I'd probably feel good taking that, but. I would probably be surprised if they won this game. Like I, I don't yeah, think I'd be sure. shocked, but I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised. It feels like an Oregon win. I just feel like Colorado is going to eventually get kind of outgunned. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can remake it as much as you want, but sometimes it's not enough. Um, you know, as a true Southerner, now that you are, you are fully removed from the Ohio Indiana <laughs> area. You did not even mention the the seven thirty Ohio State Notre Dame. Well, I left I left it to you. Well, I mean, I think it's just got some very serious implications on how the season's going to oh, go, for sure. right? Like, for sure. I think that what's fun to me is when these games are not season openers. I like when teams are 4-0 and against 4-0, and and they're going into this game that feels more important than a season opener, where it's like, if you lose a game like this, this close to your conference season, it kind of almost feels like a conference game, and it almost has a little bit heavier feeling to losing yeah. it so there's real implications right it's not like oh it was the first game write it off they'll they'll be For fine sure. they'll figure it out this is a this is close to the games that really matter so it's a huge game i think it's kind of ironic that both teams um will get home games in this home and home series where they have the experience at quarterback right like notre yeah. dame came into columbus with tyler bookner who's i mean he's in alabama now and floundering there and they have not they were not able to really find an actual uh, quarterback i can assure you that sam hartman um although has some flaws is a is a very fun um gunslinging college quarterback and he will try to rip it uh, all over the field and then uh, as we noted in our preview that's going to post here uh, on your friday if you if you're listening to this it's already out there get a, get a good thing to read in the in the morning 
Um, Audric Estime, the running back, is a lot of fun and mm-hmm. is leading the FBS in um, some very important running back categories, breaking a bunch of tackles. He is going to present a real challenge. Um, the question is, can Ohio State keep up? Because I think Notre Dame is going to score. Can Ohio State keep up? And I feel like if Ohio State, who's, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't look at the line. Maybe you know the line on this game, but um, I feel like Notre Dame it makes sense for them to be favored. I think because they're experienced in the right areas. So if Ohio State wins this game and Kyle McCord plays well, it's a real launch into a confident season. Now they have some serious challenges with Michigan and Penn State uh, looming, obviously, but. If they lose this one, it sort of feels, Andrew, and especially if Kyle's not any good in it, that it could be like a three or four loss season they're looking at here. And I think that that weighs pretty heavy on the rest of the year. It's a very important game for Ohio State, I think. Yeah, they are field goal favorites for what it's worth. Uh, Ohio State or Notre Dame? Ohio State is, yeah. I am stunned that they're on the road with an experienced quarterback, a favored team in this one that's a that's a bit surprising to me considering some of the talent i think notre dame has but yeah that that game should be fun mm-hmm. um and you actually get you know the reason i love the idea of some of these super conferences is like wouldn't it be cool if Ohio state played like 10 of these a year that mattered yeah. and were fun right you know you you like showing up for western kentucky huh okay right on mm-hmm. you do you um clemson florida state andrew yeah if clemson drops that one it feels like clemson's slipping away in the relevancy Yep. area mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know and, I, and I know, at some point Dabo is going to be on the hot seat if they're going to go to two and two it, it and it's just been a year over year thing and if he doesn't have a generational mm-hmm. quarterback which yep. he's had a, a couple of them even Taj Boyd was pretty special yeah uh, they have not they have not been able to string together successful seasons another one that's interesting to me is UCLA at Utah just figuring out like UCLA starting that freshman Dante Moore was I think the number one kid in the class is what he ended up being and um, Chip Kelly's kind of brought them back to relevancy. DTR obviously was a big part of that last year and yeah. the four years prior. So um, that one's that one's kind of fun. And then if we're looking again at the barometer for um, what is the team doing, right? Like, to, uh, to, are they going to continue to stay at the top? Like, we haven't seen in Alabama yeah. a real floundering season. And floundering for them is multiple losses, like three losses right. in the regular season. That offense is bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bad. And they face Ole Miss who can score. Um it's got a real, it's a very intriguing football game, man. Very intriguing game. I yeah. don't know if you'll, you know, that before you head out, but that's a three thirty kick. The three thirty slate is really loaded. Uh, is really yeah. loaded, loaded with some fun ones. Um, the, the other one, just to shout out, is is Oregon State at Washington State. Big time. Big just time. because they're both undefeated, they're both uh, ranked, and which is rare in and of itself. And then they're obviously the two teams from the old Pac twelve, Pac ten that currently don't have a home. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Jake, in, in theory that the, the super conference idea is appealing. But mm-hmm. the downside of it is, is that I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for for those two programs, because I think, you know, they always have good home environments. And they they have often over the time that I've been a college football fan have been the team that trips up, you know, an Oregon or a USC, you know, these road games late in the year, sometimes mm-hmm. on like a weird weeknight and it's like raining or foggy. You know, and like Oregon goes into Oregon State and scores like nine points. And you're like, well, I guess I can't really take you seriously as a national title contender if you can't handle the Beavers. So uh, just, you know, I I think a fun shout out for those two programs. I think it's ironic that it's like a seven o'clock Fox game getting national broadcast (laughs) when those are the two teams that, you know, basically were sacrificed on the altar of broadcast, uh, you know, contracts. And it's just a shame because I think they're both you know, there's other programs that don't pull their weight in these other major conferences. You know, I'm looking at Rutgers. I'm looking at Northwestern, right? I'm looking at Vanderbilt. Yep. Washington State and Oregon State have both had better programs than any of the teams that I just mentioned. They're very well coached right now, and there's some real NFL talent out there yeah. for both sides. It's it's a it's a must-watch game, one that I'm going to record and try to watch back. Because like I said, um, I wrote it up. Uh, Washington State has a safety I'm very into if the Browns are unable to retain Grant Delpit services, which if he keeps playing better and better, is going to become more challenging every single week. But uh, that one's a great one. I'm, I'm glad you referenced it. Iowa at Penn State. Now, uh, I'm fascinated with it because Penn State's riding high. And, and, and if you have paid attention in recent years, anytime Penn State's feeling really confident, they always slip up on one of these usually non-Michigan, Iowa. Ohio State. And it is <laughs> Iowa that is a thorn in their side. And Iowa is not good offensively, but they're at least competent this year, yeah. which is a different um, level of uh, execution than they've been in recent years where they have just been sort of 
um, pretty much a, uh, in a NCAA rendition of what the Browns put on the field, uh, yeah. turning the football over, literally costing their uh, defense points, right? The, the, their defense is still very good, mm-hmm. not as good as last year, but still very good. Um, but that's going to be the whiteout game, which will be interesting. And there's some guys like Chop Robinson and, and, and um, some others who are NFL guys that are going to be uh, in that game. That's well worth your time. And it should be a really fun Big Ten environment. That is one of the late games. But there's like a bunch of mid-tier like like North Carolina at Pittsburgh or um, Cal at Washington. Um, games like that. Like there's the Mississippi State plays. Um, I had it in front of me just a minute ago, but there's a bunch of these sort of like, yeah, they're at South Carolina, South Carolina. It's just just a bunch bunch of conference games, games. you know, it's, it's happening conference conference footballs here. And and so you're, a lot of these games are going to be good, even if they're not between two top 10 teams or whatever, but yeah, it's like you get the, the weight at the top and then you get a bunch of second tier teams or games. Some of the, which will probably be, you know, classics go to overtime. So yeah, it's like you said at the beginning, it's a full weekend of college football. There's even. I mean, this this is out on Saturday, but there's Friday night games that I'm excited about. What Wisconsin going to Purdue is is definitely worth watching. You know that NC State kid is is at Virginia. A little bit it's of old a, school. Yeah, He's trying to get so, some revenge. Some fun angles even on a Friday night. It is indeed, and even that 10:30 kickoff of Boise State at San Diego State would be if you're sitting around doing nothing and you got nothing going on in your life. Can't speak for anyone else, but uh, no, I'm just going <laughs> to tell you, I probably wound up watching a little bit of that football game. So. All right, let's switch over to the NFL slate. Week three, we hit on a little bit of it with Jordan talking about 2-0s and 1-1s, but I yeah. always like doing the game we're most interested in and then um, you know, in pinpointing anything that's really important. I think as I look at the slate, the Falcons and Lions and the 1 o'clock, are, that's a really fun game that I'd like to watch. Just two teams that I think are on the up and up and um, the Falcons being two zero, very realistically could get to three and zero because the Lions. I'm not sure if Amon Ross St. Brown is playing in that game, but they lost like Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They lost some real pieces to the IR, yeah. So that's a very winnable Falcons game. Um, the other one I'm interested in the one o'clock is the zero and two battle because if you fall to zero and three, man, that is yep not a place that you want to live in the NFL where the data just is really against you figuring it out. The Chargers and Vikings both zero and two. I don't think people were taking the Vikings all too seriously, although there's some of the pieces. We're still fun there. You could see, the, you know, Zadarius trade. There's a lot of evidence that they're trying to like remain competitive, but sort of maybe rebuild and not be all too offended if they didn't end up being very good. I think if the Vikings go to zero and three here, which is very realistic, there's a world in which they start to maybe. I know that they just traded for Cam Akers, but there's a world where they could start saying, "Hey, you know, Kirk Cousins here. You interested? You know, like some of that stuff could start to creep into reality for them, where they could end up." I mean, you know, Questy's a smart guy. Could just say, "Hey, let's just lose. Let's just lose ball games and get a real quarterback in here and start the the real rebuild." And I, I just think that's possible. And the Chargers, if the Chargers fall to zero three, yeah, I know that there are some coaches who are very much on the hot seat. Josh McDaniel. There's some guys out there who could be fired. I mean, Brandon Staley, if they fall to zero three, is putting himself at the very, very top of first coach to be fired metrics. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I listened to one of the PFF podcasts this week, and they made a great point about those those odds that there are franchises that do fire coaches in season, and then there are franchises that don't. And that you know the Chargers and the Bears, two of the teams that are, I think those coaches are probably at the top of those lists. Uh, they don't do that historically, so I agree with you. I mean, I and I think I think if you could make a case for a team that should, it's the Chargers because you get rid of Staley, figure out who calls that defense, gets them to like twentieth. And then you you know let Kellen Moore run the offense, maybe be head coach, and just start cooking with gas, right? But I think it's pretty clear that Staley is holding that team back at this point. I, I can't think of another it's not reason. Helping. No, I, I can't think of another reason. I mean, they have the worst defense in the league according to DVOA. So, um, yeah, I I agree. I think that game is really interesting. I think the the Vikings are. I mentioned this the other night with Jordan. You know, they're having the inverse of last year where they're they're 0 and two, but actually a pretty decent team. Whereas last year they had a great record and were not a good team. So um I, I think, you know, this is an opportunity at home for the Vikings to kind of get right and it really sends the Chargers into the tailspin. Um in, in terms of things that I'm interested in, there are three teams that have not played at home yet that are playing at home on Sunday. And I think that's really that's interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah, the the Packers haven't been at home yet. And you know, mm-hmm. and and obviously they lost that tight one to Atlanta. They're one and one. They get a 2-0 Saints team at home. So that game is interesting to me. And it's a really short line, Packers, by one or one and a half, um, which, uh, you know, I, I'm struggling to wrap my head around that one. Uh, and then uh, the uh, Dolphins are 2-0 and and haven't been at home, which is really impressive when you when you consider, you know, they went to L.A., 
right? And then they went to New England. So they've been all over the country, haven't played at home. They have one of the best home field advantages in September in the league because Al Hadid is down there. And they get the yeah. 0-2 Broncos who played both of their games at home and are 0-2. So um, that one feels like a situation where the, the Dolphins might just run the Broncos off the field. Uh, and then the third one is the Raiders. The Raiders have not played at home and they get the Steelers who have not been on the road yet uh, on Sunday night. So, you know, just interesting the way the schedule kind of came together where there's two games where a, a team that hasn't traveled yet is going to a, another team's, you know, home venue and for their home opener. So um, keeping an eye on those, I, I think it's one of the less enticing Sunday night games in recent memory, the Steelers at the Raiders. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I will commit to not watching any of that. You know, we'll do our, <laughs> Brown's postgame show at 7.30, and then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll find something else to do once we go off the air with that. So, um, so tired of Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, them getting constant uh, primetime love is is never going to change, but it is really, really annoying. So I think that, you know, those are kind of some of the ones. I think the Titans-Browns game has a chance to be one of the more interesting games of the, of the early slate, certainly. It's, you know, it's another one of these weeks where the NFL has, has the unbalanced schedule where there's – what four There's nine games early, three games late. So, you know, basically, you know, all your football watching has to happen in that three hour span, which is, is probably good. I just, I want to mention too, while we're on this topic, uh, started out 20 and 10 through two weeks in the picks column. So big deal, uh, you know, hoping for a, a hot week three as well. Uh, and it's a, it's an interesting week where there's a fair number of, of pretty big underdogs. You know, the, the bears are like 13 point underdogs, against the chiefs and they had, you know, the week from hell, as we talked about earlier. Uh, and then the Cardinals are hosting the Cowboys and getting like 12 and a half points. So hard to know what to do with spreads that large early in the season, because you don't want to really bet against the Cowboys or the chiefs in that situation, but that's so many points to lay early on. My survivor pool this week, as I know all you care so much, I went with Seattle who is going to get at home against uh, the Andy Dalton led, um, because Bryce Young is out Panthers. So I went that direction. Interesting. I did it, I did it actually before I knew that Dalton was going to yeah. start. I just really like what, Seattle in that spot. The interesting dimension there is that the, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you because Seattle always plays better at home, but uh, they went from Young to Dalton and the line didn't move. That is fascinating. Really, you know, it should be tell- the same level of play. Bryce has been bad so far. Yeah, right? it might you actually know? be. I think it might be legitimately a step forward for the. It's for possible. The, for the Panthers, you know, just because of how bad he's been early. So, yeah, um, it's, it's a pretty good slate altogether. And I think, you know, we should mention the Monday night doubleheader. Listen, really... they're doing the doubleheaders. I hate it. I, do you, oh, I, I do too. It. Oh, absolutely. Especially the, the the enforced split screen. Yeah. I was losing worst. my mind when they did that. We were watching, yeah. watching the, trying to watch the Browns game, which you have chosen to watch and being forced to watch what was like the Saints kicking a field goal. It, was awful. it wasn't even good. It wasn't even it was like. Awful. It's a, yeah. it's, it's like, look, it's a flea flick, double reverse flea flicker for a 75 yard touchdown. No, it was, it was a, it was a kicker lining up for a field goal. And they're like, no, you gotta, you gotta check this out, man. I, and that's the thing is they have separate channels. The games are on. There's no right. reason for you to be throwing. We know we're aware right. of this yeah. other game. Thank right. you. Um, well, and, and somebody pointed out on Twitter that the, the Saints Panthers game was on ESPN and ESPN two. So they could just have ESPN two be a split screen. It's awful. What was it the Manning cast probably? Something no, it was. Like that. It was the, no, it was the same broadcast. They just were simulcast huh? on their. Well, that's strange. yeah, because the Manning the Mannings take these doubleheader weeks off, which is another reason to hate them because the Manning cast isn't even a thing. <laughs> that's funny. Can you All imagine right, what well, Peyton Manning would have been saying about that Deshaun Watson performance? By the way, I, yeah, there would have been a lot of smart, would have been a hoot. smart, smart Alec comments there for sure. The, the Monday slate is fun though. The Bengals are back against the Wally Super Bowl rematch back against the wall they cannot fall to own three but that rams team man i'm watching that offense it is really mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. they are they are not going to be an easy beat and the browns go out yeah. there this year too so keep that in mind but then you also get the tuna eagles and you know the national um fan base gets to watch baker mayfield and he's been getting loved up um by a lot of people and uh, i'm not sure they're watching the same totality of film that i am so um we'll leave it at that <laughs> all the best all the best well for, you know what though that. it's it it's he gets the opportunity to prove that it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I agree with you. I, I am very skeptical that he can do it, but he, he gets that opportunity. And I think that's, you know, that's, he deserves, he does, he does. I do think he deserves one more chance in a settled situation to prove that he can function as an NFL quarterback. I think he, I tend to think he gets exposed, but 
you know, if he if he lights up the Eagles and and the Browns lose, it's gonna the takes the level of spice on these takes is going to skyrocket. Yeah, we're gonna be oh absolutely we're gonna be knee deep in flavor town. Flamed button down shirts everywhere. So all right, listen that that was a fun pod, man. A lot of good stuff there. Fun football weekend for you guys out there both days. Um, and like you mentioned, Andrew, even Friday night if you're listening to this and you sat and partook in some, um you know, Friday night college football. That's fun. I, I will, you know, I'd be remiss to say that we are having the alma mater battle back in That's right. Marion County where we get the clear four Colts facing off with the Marion Pleasant Spartans. And it is um, a little bit of a rare non-dominant clear four team who's been so good lately. So I know yep. you were all dying to know the result of that. Yeah, What's, what's the line one. on that, Jake? I think Pleasant's giving seven at home. Okay. Um, yeah, seven, that's seven and a half. Seven yeah. and a half is yeah. what I'll label it as. Um, well, Pleasant, with the hook, you probably got to take the Colts probably probably would be wise to do that they've always played pleasant very well so i know you guys out there just uh dying for that but now you know so anyway all right we're out of here man good show andrew i appreciate you man as usual always a pleasure jake have a great weekend guys thanks for stopping by i say the same two things all the time and hopefully it doesn't get too repetitive join the ovr i think you won't regret it and then thanks for rating reviewing the pod at the rate at which you guys are doing it and you've sent a lot of really nice tweets and dms and stuff and I, i try to get to all of those i can there's quite a few you guys have been really great so um, love the direction this thing is going, and I think you guys have responded to it really well, and hopefully you continue to enjoy it. And if the team could win so we could all have a little bit more fun, uh, that would always be greatly appreciated. So check out t- tomorrow's game day podcast in the morning where Brad and I get together, predict the wrong weather, and then give you some key points to the game as well. So that'll be your usual Sunday uh, breakfast before the game podcast to chew on. So for myself and Andrew, thanks for stopping by on this Saturday. Have a great one, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.